I'm sorry to say, I got some fucking hot takes, right? I need to know uh, about you doing guesties for I Kill the Prong Queen when you were 15 years old. I think they have two different types of songs, and both of those songs are Radiohead songs. Is there a sketch that people refer to the most when you are when you are talked to by some random guy on the street? Soil work, kill switch engage, and anthrax in fucking in fucking 2004. Man. I kill I kill the prong queen. Say they announce to do a tour. Would you do it? Sometimes I'm like, I wonder if any of them know about Auntie Donna. Awesome, boys. Backbone Takeover. Very special guest today. We have Mark Banana. I'm going to call you Mark Banana from now on. Okay. Uh, Arnie Donna Donna member. Of course, Arnie Donna, big old house of fun is on Netflix right now. You can also listen to the Arnie Donna podcast and very polite gamer on Twitch, Mark. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Uh, How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. No one asks how I am, so they're always very selfish. Uh, Your guests are cunts. Uh, this is very cool, dude. Um, I We've got so much to talk about and what I'm really excited about. I want to kind of go back a little bit to start. What can you tell me about the Stupid Old channel? Uh, the stu- uh, Stupid Old Studios? Stupid Old Studios, Stupid Old Channel on YouTube. Uh, I've been binging so much of that shit today. I saw you dancing to the Mario theme song for Just Dance 2018. And I... <laughs> I- I think it's given me new life. Like, it's well, that's fantastic. that's a very old video. I've forgotten that that even existed um, <laughs> until this very moment, and I uh, am mad at you for bringing it up. Um, <laughs> it's uh, the stu- oh, the stupid old channel is uh, has nothing to do with me. It's yeah. all run by Stupid Old Studios. Uh, stupid Old Studios is where Auntie Donna's office is. That's where we make uh, the Netflix show you yep. mentioned before was half of that was written there and have all of our like live shows for the past couple of years and stuff. So um, that's sort of like a YouTube channel dedicated to the content that comes out of that place, such as uh, a video game show that I'm often a part of called Gamey Gamey Game, which is a lot of fun. <laughs> what a great name. Yeah. Uh, what games are you playing these days? Um, at the moment, I'm playing a lot of Age of Empires 2. Yep. Uh, I, I got... Diablo 3 recently in the in the lead up to Diablo 2 remastered coming out in Diablo 4 which I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to I don't mind it I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it um, which is fun uh, and I play a lot of Valorant yeah. which I want to stop playing I'm kind of just waiting for Overwatch 2 to come out so then I can play, yeah, <laughs> play that's that. exact, I look at Valorant I haven't played it yet but I, I used to play Overwatch a lot and everyone's like yeah. play Valorant I'm like I just want to wait for the new Overwatch at this yeah stage. yeah it's it's more uh, it's more counter strikey in the in the gunplay so and yeah. I'm not great at clicking heads so um, <laughs> I'm I have a, I have a lot more fun uh being characters that you don't have to necessarily be incredibly accurate with yeah um how, how does that um like i guess when you're streaming on twitch uh yeah. and you're doing it that how does that kind of translate over because i feel like a lot of people are expecting you to be you know mark from arnie donna and being like this wild character are you like that on stream or do you have do you take it back a little bit no if anything i push it further um <laughs> i will ban you at the drop of a fucking hat and uh, I like to just play around with um, silly little overlays. I don't have as much time to dedicate to the stream as I would like. Some of my friends have gone almost full time and their streams are so much fun and have so much variety. So I'm looking at sort of rebuilding the stream at the moment. But um, no, yeah, it's 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 an unfiltered mark, which is not necessarily a good thing, um, as you'll know if you've seen my stream. 
Absolutely. Uh, going back to, I guess, like if we can keep with the gaming stuff, uh, mm. did you used to play, uh, to kind of link it in with heavy music, did you get into a Guitar Hero at all? Were you a rock band fan? Did, did that kind of shape your music taste? Loved, loved Guitar Hero, but uh, of course, never really found the music that I liked that much to be on Guitar Hero. Yeah. So every time I go to an arcade now, because I love going to arcades, um, if there's a Guitar Hero, there is only one song that I will go to there and play, and that's Reptilia by The Strokes. <laughs> it's because a great it was, song. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I love The Strokes. I'm a big Strokes fan. Um, not They're not necessarily heavy, but uh, uh, I do. I, I really love them. And Reptilia is fucking incredible. And that's one song when I uh, started trying to teach myself drums in isolation, I was like, oh, I hope I can get to Reptilia. And yeah. uh, I have and I, and I can play that for real on the drums now and smash it on medium <laughs> on, on Guitar Hero. You couldn't quite get the orange button. The pinky no, didn't work. <laughs> yeah, but every time I will go and I'll play Reptilia on Guitar Hero on medium like four or five times every yeah. time I'm at an arcade if they've got one there. I it's love fun. it. It's funny. I've been petitioning recently for like Guitar Hero has kind of taken on new waves at the moment. They've got this thing on you can play on your PC called Clone Hero where people just they just upload charts of songs of any any genre of music. So oh, like, I'm sick. playing I'm playing like you know Make Them Suffer and Alpha Wolf and Parkway Drive. Like people have all these charts and I'm feeling like a fucking rock star. I feel like I'm bringing back Guitar Hero now. Oh, I've got to get on onto that. It. I've yeah, got to absolutely get on that. <laughs> That's what, so much what would fun. Be your, what would be your go-to song besides Reptilia? Reptilia? Is there a go-to song that you play? Uh, well, I the first song that I learned on the drums was Chop Suey. Whoa, um, we, start, we start at a hard level. Well, because, because, Nick Brown, I <laughs> saw footage. I was like, you know, always, always thought I maybe had a sense of rhythm in me, right? Yeah. And I was like, um, I would love to put that to the test and, and play some drums one day. And then I saw footage of a five-year-old girl playing Chop Suey. Yeah. And what I realized is like, she doesn't have the complete dexterity to play that song exactly as the fucking professional drummer from System of a Down plays, whatever that cunt's name is. <laughs> and it's um, a drummer. We don't, we don't need to know him. Yeah. And I was like, I reckon I have the dexterity and the body coordination of a five-year-old girl, yeah. right? Or just a, or, or a five-year-old boy. Not that they're more dexterous than a fucking <laughs> girl. I don't know why I brought gender into it. Look at me being a piece of shit. Um, but I was like, I reckon, and she has become my biggest inspiration because I was like, yeah. if she can do it, I reckon I can. Because what she taught me more than anything was that it doesn't have to be absolutely fucking perfect. You're yep. allowed to take a few liberties. You're allowed to like miss a little fucking kick if it's on the offbeat and it's fucking up your brain. That's yeah. okay, right? It's about like getting through it and uh, and and learning. And then and then um, so so chop suey is a very big one. That was a yeah. very big one for me. Absolutely, and it's, it's almost like the imperfections make it more perfect. Mark, would you say? No, but. <laughs> Damn it. But <laughs> the imperfection, you do start to own it a little bit. Yeah. You're like, this is, well, this is my version of it, you know, yeah. um, because there's still stuff in that song that I can't do. But yeah. fucking, she doesn't fucking do it either. Everyone <laughs> reckons she's sick. So now you can think I'm sick. 
<laughs> Talk to me. Uh, back in 2015, you said you pulled all the lim- ligaments in both your feet mm. uh, over a comedy weekend, I think it was. Talk to me about how you did that and how does how does that affect uh, an Arnie Donner live show? Good research. Fucking hell, son. Um, I uh, So I played this character in our 2015 live show, which was self-titled, yeah. um, called uh, Stompin' Pete. Because uh, we all came out and we played these. It was a, a sketch that we came up with while we were in Edinburgh the previous year called Click, Clack, Click, Clap, Stomp. Um, and it's not a, barely a sketch, barely an idea. Um, but three, like, uh, I think Zach would come out first and he was like clicking someone, clicking Steve. And then Broden would come out. He was clapping Dan. Yeah. And I came out and I was stomping Pete. And, and we just like <laughs> click and clap and stomp. And I performed barefoot because I uh, am an idiot. And uh, (laughs) I stomped so much. I was doing that sketch so much and I stomped so much that I got a thing which is referred to as soldier's foot in both my feet, which I believe is all the ligaments in my feet kind of like slightly tore. And um, I woke up the next morning after a show and could not walk. It felt like walking on broken glass. It was so incredibly fucking painful. Um, and so I had to cancel work for that morning because at the time I was working in, in, uh, in, a, in a box office at a theater. Yeah. Um, uh, and I needed that money. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I couldn't walk. And so uh, the, the night beforehand, I was like to my partner, oh, my feet are kind of hurting a bit. She's like, well, let me massage them and we'll put them in a, in a hot bath thing um and then i woke up next morning i couldn't work walk so we rang the doctor and i was like can you send someone over because i have to perform tonight and they were like great two things that you absolutely should not do we'll get a nurse over straight away here's two things you should not do one do not massage them two do not put them in hot water (laughs) (laughs) and we're like okay um (laughs) and, and so uh i went on and what I did was, and this was the first time I'd ever wore shoes performing. I wore about, I went and I bought like a bunch of those Explorer socks. Yep. I think I was wearing about three or four pairs on each, on, on each foot. Um, I got shoes and I like pretty much took off the laces, put the shoes on and then like wrapped them around my feet. And we changed the character from Stomp and Pete to Raspberry Bart makes a sound <laughs> just like a fart. And, uh, and I did, and Auntie Donna famously have never canceled the show. Um, And we didn't fucking cancel that one either. So I've performed with fucked feet and also severe food poisoning before in my life. (laughs) If you book tickets to an Auntie Donna show, you're going to fucking, you're going to see us. Don't don't be in the front row. You might cop something. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Mark, let's, let's talk about this. You did a podcast recently with Will Anderson and you talked about your desperate love. I desperate. I don't know why desperate's the main word I'm going for. Of of Slipknot. And I I want, I felt, thought this was fascinating. I kind of want to go back through the history of Mark Banana and his love of heavy music. Uh, where does that start and what is that band? Yeah, it's like, uh, look, I guess Slipknot was definitely the heaviest thing that that, that I started loving, but I'd, I'd always sort of had an affinity maybe for faster stuff. You know, like in grade six, I was uh, listening to The Offspring. I was listening to Blink-182. Um, but before that, honestly, like, the most I knew about music was fucking Tina arena, right? Yeah. Like that yeah, was, yeah. that was, and, and, 
I grew up, my parents aren't necessarily into, I would say art in general. They're, they're kind of artless and without taste. (laughs) And that's not necessarily a criticism. It's just that they don't, that's not what fucking gets them up in the morning. Right. Um, So I grew up around a lot of, uh, uh, a wide variety of music that they listened to growing up, you know, singer songwriters kind of uh, like things like the kinks, um, the police who I still, you know, the kinks in particular, I really fucking still love a lot of that, you know, sixties, seventies kind of thing. And music was just kind of there and I liked it, but I never loved it. Even like the offspring, even blink One Eighty Two. Yeah. With the exception of enema of the state, which had a big, fucking impact on me but um liked it didn't love it didn't feel the need to uh combine how i saw myself or or my identity with the music it was just stuff that i liked yeah then fucking slipknot comes along (laughs) and um and that first album just like oh man it's kind of hard to explain but it uh, changed the way I engaged with art. Yeah. Full stop. Um, because it was a complete package. Yeah. It had fucking, a, it had an attitude. It had a way to dress. It had just every, everything, everything came with it. And I think I was also just obsessed with the fact that I did not know who the fuck they were. Yeah. The anonymity absolutely. was cool and different. And I know they weren't the first people to do it but in my life they were in yeah. in my experience of that they 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 were and definitely the most commercial people at the time to kind of be doing it but um it just i've always i've always felt my entire life a little different from everyone else right yeah um and this was something that i felt like accepted that side of me and almost like cemented it you know it was like well fucking no one else I knew was listening to it. No one else I knew enjoyed it with the exception of my cousin who introduced me to it. Right. Yeah. And then went on to introduce me to fucking a whole heap of bands um, that I'm still in love with to this day. Uh, but yeah, it just, it, 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 it gave me, it made me feel um, confident in being different. Yeah. You know, because finally he was something to like pin it on. It was like, I didn't know why I was different. It was like, oh, this is why I'm different. Cause I like screaming and swearing and distorted sounds and these fucking, why are there nine people in the band and they all wear yeah. fucking jumpsuits and, um, and I don't, and I don't know who they are. They all look fucked up. It was yeah. just, it was cool, man. One, one guy's just hitting a trash can. You're like, D- is he necessary? But why, any the of the, why guy? is there a DJ and someone that does samples? That's the <laughs> most unnecessary thing. You can give, make at least one of them hit a trash can as well. <laughs> you know, I, I something I ask essentially every band um, I talk to, and I'm assuming you'll like this question: is if you were to join Slipknot, what would your Slipknot mask look like? Oh shit! I've uh, I've never. I, I would just. Wrap my face in fucking glad wrap, just <laughs> over and over and over and over again. I just, and just have, I just have a little hole. I have a little hole for my mouthy, right? Yeah. And then I draw something different on it every every night. That'd be perfect. I love. Yeah, it. <laughs> that'd be fun. I'd fucking regret that after 
you know, the first song. Yeah, you, um, can't, you, you also can't see anything. You've, uh, you've adjusted for your mouth, but you haven't got anything for your eyes. So you might yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what, so that first album, because that first Slipknot album is like, I, we recently had a debate, a few people online, about which one was better out of the self-titled and Iowa, because mm-hmm. those are two like pretty iconic albums. Uh, I lean towards the self-titled myself. As you should. As you should. Uh, when when that starts up and Sick is kind of the first main track that comes on, mm. that is the most – is that not the most relentless song of all time? Absolutely. I mean, talk <laughs> about a fucking mission statement. Yeah. Like, they don't leave anything unsaid or undone in that song and, and everything that follows. Why I love the album and why I would – I like – I think comparing it to Iowa – is a joke. <laughs> I'm sorry to say, I got some fucking hot takes. Right? Yeah, I love this. Um, but that's not to say that I was a bad album. I, I think that uh, most people tend to gravitate towards the first album that they fell in love with. Absolutely. And I think, um, and I'm as guilty of this as, as anyone else, but I think what I've found is most people who love Iowa or most people who love um, Volume 3 and are like, that's the best Slipknot album. It's usually because that's the one that got them into Slipknot, right? Yeah. So there's a sense of nostalgia there that just is impossible to break. And I think that's fair enough because it's not about technically what's fucking best. It's about what's the best to you, what means the most to you. Yeah. And while I think the second album gets a little sloppy towards the back half, the yeah. reason I put the first one over Iowa, because Iowa's got some incredible hits, Um but uh, the reason why I prefer the first one is one, I think it's more eclectic in, in its influences. Like you've got shit like prosthetics on there and fucking scissors and, um, uh, and, and it does go a little more new metal at times. Um, but I feel like they do it well and, and different. And Iowa starts to go into the kind of, I mean, volume three is very eclectic as well, but it goes down a place that they start to do more rock and yeah. I like the more I like when they're fucking with industrial sounds. I like when they're, you know, doing soundscapey, weird horror stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I think they start to get, you know, they start to play with pop and rock sounds a little more later on, which is cool. Um, so that's why I think the first one is just so much better because I think it is inc- an incredible listen start to finish. Whereas yeah. Iowa towards the back end, I think there's a couple of sloppy tracks on there. Do you see, like, you mentioned before the new metal uh, new metal kind of era and on the Will Anderson podcast, you kind of mm. talk about the fact that you kind of grew up smack bang in that era. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, they, a lot of people say Slipknot are new metal and, like, they have definitely elements of new metal. I've always mm. considered, you know, the more the Corns and Limp Biscuits and um, the, even early Deftones, right, as new mm. metal more so. Mm. Did you enjoy that era? What was that era like actually living in that? Yeah, it was cool, man. Like, it was... Uh... Because it was music that I loved that made me feel different, but that was on fucking MTV and was yeah. on Channel V and shit. So it was, it was, and so then, you know, like Linkin Park, as I mentioned, was yeah. on the Will Anderson thing, was the first concert I ever went to. And that was at fucking Festival Hall, which yeah. was a venue that, you know, my dad was allowed to bring me to. So yeah. that was fucking cool because if it wasn't as popular and it wasn't at, like hitting all these mainstream buttons, they would have played at like the corner or some shit. And I never would have been able to go Yeah. Um, and seen them at that time when they were the most important to me. So it was, uh, it was real, it was, it was real interesting, but also I abandoned, I mean, I went through a phase as I think most people did with new metal where I was like, um, 
you know, those were the bands I was listening to, your fucking Cole Chambers, your fucking whatever else. And um, and then once I stepped into another scene and once I heard uh, basically Scandinavian metal and the shit that was going on yeah. um, uh, over there at the time in Sweden and Norway and shit, I disowned new metal fucking hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> just like around about the same time the world did. But um, I just, I was just like, not only do I not like that shit, I never liked that shit. Yeah. yeah. You could and never then of course, it. yeah. And then, you know, later on got a little older, got a little wiser and went, well, that was, that's stupid. And I still love that fucking music. And it's a huge part of my childhood and reconnected with it. <laughs> Does it not feel like everyone's kind of done that, but it felt like in that kind of mid to late two thousands era, everybody's went new metals, garbage. No one ever liked it. And yeah, then yeah, yeah. over the last, five to ten years i feel like everyone's kind of especially with like you know metalcore and stuff there's so many bands with those new metal elements i feel like the appreciation starting to come back i'm a diehard link biscuit fan i don't care what anyone fucking says yeah fuck I, yeah fred durst <laughs> underrated as fuck and wes born's a great guitarist <laughs> it's because we're all turning 30 man yeah, like, you start to turn 30 you start to look back at your life a little bit because there's enough of a life that's been lived that you can look back on yeah and you start going you know you start finding that um, appreciation again for the shit that formed you. you yeah. Know? Did, uh, so talk to me about, you know, you start to recognize Scandinavian metal. Where did mm. that start? How did that start? That started with soil work, yep. which is, okay. which are still my favorite band. Um, one of, if not my favorite band um, ever, I heard, uh, I think natural born chaos had just come out. Yep. Um, this is 2000. 2002, I think. Um, yeah, 2002. Natural Born Chaos had just come out because they were fucking, they fucking did Chain Art Machine in 2000, Predator's Portrait in 2001, and then Natural Born Chaos in yeah. 2002. And um, as soon as I heard that and the, you know, it was so, in terms of what I was listening to at the time, which was, you know, Linkin Park and Slipknot mainly, um it was so technically on another fucking level. Like it was like, oh, here's songwriting. Yeah. Here's fucking like in- incredible musicianship. And then beyond Speed Strid, who now I'm just a fucking diehard fan of and follow that man to the ends of the earth and like love so many of just his like fucking one-off projects like Cold Seed and fucking... Uh, Terror 2000. I mean, they had a couple of albums. Yeah. Um, uh, Disharmonia Mundi and fucking, uh, there's, you know, just anything that mother, Night Flight Orchestra, like anything that motherfucker's done, I listen and love to now because his voice was just unlike anything I'd ever heard before. And I'd never, I'd never heard that, um, that style and like them and in flames, you know, and then I got into in flames through that, you know, they were very much pioneers of that melodic death metal sound post at the gates. Yeah. um, Who kind of started the genre, but that's, 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 you know, that first at the gates album is very brutal, very dark. And then I feel like soil work and in flames come into it and bring like a little bit of like beauty and kind of, um, breath to the yeah. genre and a, bit of, sc- and a bit of scope as well yeah like. totally totally and uh and then once i find out 
Devon Townsend produced Natural Born Chaos. It's like, all right, now we go down the fucking Devon Townsend yeah. hole, you know? And <laughs> yeah, then, yeah. And then and you it's can't like, get out. You can't get out of that one. <laughs> you can't get out of that one. And then it's like, all right, so oh, this started at the gates. So I listened to at the gates, and then it's like, well, where are they now? They're broken up. What are they now? The Haunted. Well, let's fucking go down that fucking. <laughs> and I love the Haunted. Still, absolutely love the Haunted to this day. Yeah. Um, but it just, yeah, I guess I just, I, I just started to appreciate how. Uh, you know, Slipknot, when I think about them, it's so, and I don't mean this as a criticism, but it's like, it's um, muddy, it's chunky, it's yeah. uh, sludgy almost, right? And this was all about sharpness, precision, clean. It, it was just a, comp- it was the same things that I loved, like all the distortion and the pace and the, and the like passion and the energy, but just through a completely fucking different lens. Like, yeah. like, you know, compre- uh, comparing like the color brown to the, to the color white yeah. in some ways. Did, so going, I just quickly on Slipknot, what did you think when Slipknot started to change their sound and they started going, you know, kind of not even more rocky, but, you know, they started doing songs like Duality and they started getting played on that. Did you feel like a little bit alienated by that when they were going down that? Or was that more of like, holy shit, my band's being recognized now? Well, yeah, it's never been, It's that, that stuff's never been a big issue for me. Like, um, I think there were maybe times where I was like, if certain people were listening, it was more the it was more the super underground stuff that I didn't like, like like Soil Work, which is not yeah. a commercial band and will never be a commercial band. When like people who I didn't like started liking that, I was like, yeah. "Fuck you!" But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. stupidly, because I'm an idiot, right? No, definitely, um, it's, it's, it's ingrained in every music fan. There's something about yeah, us. totally. <laughs> you want to protect it, right? But um, no, I very I very quickly. I'm very happy for bands to change and I'm yep. very happy for bands to get more commercial. Another one of my favorite bands is fucking Radiohead and they almost went the opposite. Yeah. They were like the most commercial band in the world and they went, oh, fuck that. And like, <laughs> you know, and really polarize their audience and really split them right down the middle. Um, for me, it's just about acknowledging it's okay for bands to change. It's okay for bands to get more commercial. Just do you like that direction they've head in and headed in? Um, for me, with Slipknot, at the time it wasn't like I'd just grown out of them. Yeah. Um, like they didn't do anything post Iowa that even fell into my. I, I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't searching for it. I wasn't like, when's the next Slipknot album coming out? With Iowa, right? Because I was just so hungry for more. Because yeah. I'd like fucking just discovered this band like because I think Iowa came out 2001 and and I'd heard them heard Slipknot right at the end of 99 um so I was just so hungry for more I went to fucking Kmart in Werribee in the western suburbs of fucking Melbourne yeah and uh, uh you know this is pre-internet and shit um so I was like asking the people at the music section I'm like Oh, I, I read in this magazine that Slipknot have a new album coming out. When's it coming? When's it coming? And they're like, oh, in a, in a couple of weeks. And I was like, okay. So then I came back like the next week, and I'm like, do you have it? Is it there? And the guy and the guy was like, look, it doesn't come out for a week. But he looked around. And he was like, I'll I'll let you have a copy. And he Ooh. went and he got me a copy. <laughs> and like and I and I loved that album. Um, all my other friends who were into metal hated it. They yeah. went straight off Slipknot after that album. They like really didn't like it. I quite liked Iowa, uh, but then they just weren't on my radar. But post that, um, I've really come to love all of the singles that have come yeah. out of Slipknot. But 
their albums just don't quite do it for me anymore. Did you um, uh, did you chuck personally. Iowa straight up on Napstar a week early or? <laughs> no, I didn't. But you know what I did do was I ended up running this little fucking. I guess it was a business, but <laughs> I was the only person at my high school that had a computer that could burn CDs and also a color inkjet printer. Right? Yeah. So for like, I think it was like five bucks. I was like, tell me what album you want. I would download the album, um, burn it onto a CD, fucking inkjet print a fucking version of the cover, put it in a little single CD fucking case, <laughs> sell it to them. And I burnt so many Iowas for cunts, man. <laughs> Iowa's the the best selling one. Yeah, Iowa was well, Iowa was always the one like, oh, you want Lincoln Park? Great, you should listen to this too. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll chuck that one in for free, mate. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. real wog. That's yeah. the that's the fucking wog in me. But um, <laughs> let's let's, so, let's go um let's go Radiohead, man. Like Radiohead's such an uh, an eclectic band. They're so they as you say they're a polarizing band in general. I know a lot mm. of people who fucking despise Radiohead. Right? Incorrect. Uh, <laughs> and I I've never. been been a huge fan of Radiohead. I used to, I listened growing up, listened to Muse a lot, and I know a lot mm. of Radiohead hate Muse because they sound like Radiohead, and a lot of Muse fans hate Radiohead because the Radiohead fans think they sound like Muse, and it's all this kind of thing. Where do you kind of lie on that debate? And talk to me about Radiohead in general and Tom York. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, Muse Radiohead, right? I fucking adore the first three Muse albums. So good. Yeah. I don't think personally they've changed or evolved enough post then to keep my interest, yep. you know, um, uh, which is good and bad because then my cousin who's really into metal heard Muse for the first time and he was like, fuck, this is pretty good. I was like, yeah, what album? And he's some fucking set. I don't know what fucking album. I don't even know how many albums they got. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, one of those ones. And so then I put it on because I was like, oh, if that's what caught his attention, I, I wonder if there's anything special about it in particular. And to me, it just sounded exactly, it had all the elements and all the things that I loved about the first three albums. Yeah. Um, and it didn't even feel worth saying to him, you should go back and check out their earlier stuff. Cause it was like, if you're getting what you need to get out of them, here yeah. in their career great who gives a shit right <laughs> although the earlier albums are better but maybe they're just Origin better symmetry still their best album yeah absolutely yeah. right but maybe i just think they're better because again they're the ones that i heard first they're the yeah. ones i i sort of you know grew up with and 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 liking but i do have a hot take yes give it to me i do have a hot take on muse right Ooh. i think they have two different types of songs and both of those songs are radiohead songs <laughs> Explain think, the songs. I think the first one is electroneering. They're both off OK Computer. So yeah. the first song, <laughs> the first song that they have is electroneering, right? Yeah. And if you and if you've heard electroneering by Radiohead, you'll know exactly what I'm fucking talking about, right? And the second song that they have is exit music for a film. Yeah. And essentially, they just do those two songs. <laughs> now that is a hot take. Right, and that is really taking what Muse do and shitting on it on <laughs> from such a fucking ladder, right? So it's, take, de it's devaluing it so much. It's so but it's fucking true. so bad. But <laughs> listen to those two Radiohead songs, right? One of which I don't even like that much. I don't even like electioneering <laughs> that much, right? Um, but I really think those are the two songs that Muse do. I do think. I think it would be um, uh, uh, not right to say that Muse weren't very, very heavily influenced by OK yeah. Computer, but they've very much gone off and done their own thing with it. And uh, it's a sound that I, you know, even while growing up and loving Radiohead, I was absolutely drawn to. Yeah. Um, 
and didn't didn't see the comparison straight away. It took me years of like listening and you know continuing to fall in love with Radiohead while falling out of love with Muse a little bit to then yeah. look back and see it all and go, oh, okay, I I see the influence now. You Absolutely. Know? Um, yeah. And with like, I always say like music, just Radiohead and Queen just kind of compressed into each other for yeah. especially a few songs in particular. But yeah. so Radiohead come into your life. What, what does that change with you? So that was Radiohead were like the first band I ever heard that wasn't metal that I loved as much. Yeah. Right. Um, and the first album I heard was a strange one to get into them with, which was uh, their 2003 release, Hail to the Thief. Uh, which is a very strange album when you consider everything else they'd done in particular beforehand, where they'd just come from. And now you have a look at their discography and it's one that um, isn't held in a very high regard amongst a lot of Radiohead fans. I personally fucking love it uh, because of its length and um, it's, it's strangeness. It's, it's an album that they usually they like, take quite a long time to record and they redraft and redraft and take a very long time to find the songs. Whereas this album, they went, I wonder if we could just record it in two weeks. Yeah. And they did. They just did it in two weeks and they got the fuck out of there. Very unlike Radiohead um, or the Radiohead that we'd known and now still know. Um, So, but it was just, again, it was, I loved it so much because it was different. I had just never heard a fucking band like this before. It was full of, of like great guitar, but then some songs were just electronic. His voice is just fucking weird. Like that first time you hear it, I think it's, it, it is a polarizing element of their music. People are either like completely drawn to it, almost like, you know, like a fucking mermaid fucking song you know singing in ships to crash into the fucking rocks i don't know anything about what i'm talking about but that's some that's something i've heard I yeah, something about I've, that one i heard that the other day yeah some shit i don't know but it really like it it pulls you in or it pushes you away um most people i know who i've shown radiohead to to be like i think you'll like this have been like i cannot get past the voice right? yeah but it was one of the elements that hooked me instantly and then once I started listening to that album, um, I uh, then started going through their back catalogue, right, yeah. which at the time was just uh, uh, Amnesiac was the one that took me the longest to get into but is now, without question, my favourite album. Um, and then, yeah, Kid A, OK Computer, the band's Pablo Honey, all of which are, you know, Pablo Honey is, is not a great album. I think yeah. I think it's a band finding their feet. There's some incredible elements in there, but from fucking the bends onwards, isn't it? Isn't it fascinating with music and that you compare like Slipknot, a band that you listen to, and you're mm. kind of in the heat of their their peak, I guess you could say, mm. and then you have a band like Radiohead that you start to listen to, and then you realise, wow, they've got like a bunch of albums beforehand, and it really does shape you. Like I've seen, like uh, I'm, you know, I got into Metallica right in t- mm. 2009, mm. and I listened to like the Black album, like what a great album. I obviously at the time everyone was shitting on it because it wasn't thrash metal, but I think it just gives you a different perspective, especially like you and Radiohead. A lot of Radiohead albums might be a little bit more polarizing, but you just kind of coming in as a fresh mind can kind of see it differently. Yeah, yeah, like like listening to Kid A, 
wasn't a shock yeah. to me, you know. Um, but people who grew up liking Radiohead would have would have that just would have formed their opinion about that band there and then. It was either you were still a fan or you were no longer a fan, right? Yeah. Um, but for me, because elements of Kid A and Amnesiac were very much in, like Hail to the Thief does feel like, you know, the 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 guitar work from OK Computer and the electronic elements from Kid A and Amnesiac sort of playing together, like trying, you know, trying to find a harmony and experimenting by going to one and going to another and then blending two. Um, so all of their previous work made sense to me. Yeah. Having heard that, Absolutely. you know, and then the big, the big release for me was because once I'd like cemented myself in all of that and I had, um, all the rest of high school. So like another three, four years to fully like, and I just become the biggest fucking Radiohead fan. Then yeah. in rainbows comes out, which was like almost a step back in a very positive way. It was like all the lessons they'd learned from doing all of that stuff about songwriting. And then they just stripped it all back yeah, and went back to just sounding like a five piece band. And, and so in rainbows was the one for me that was like, like blew yeah. my fucking head up, you know, in the way I think Kid A would have for some people. So going forward to that, I, I might be skipping a couple of bands here, but I, I need to know mm. uh, about you doing guesties for I Killed the Prom Queen when you yeah. were 15 years old. Yeah. Uh, is that a, how, how far after this time period does that happen? No, that's, it's all, that's all happening. That's yeah. all happening. So 15, when I was 15, it was 2003. Five. I'm just guessing numbers. <laughs> nah. nah. <laughs> 2003. Yeah. Um, uh, and so literally, like, you know, I think I think Hail to Thief came out in 2003. I think it came out in 2003. Yeah. Um, so this is all happening there and then. Yeah. And uh, at that time, I'm just so hungry for new music and new bands. And when I discovered something and it was Australian, it was yeah. like, well, fucking let's get behind this purely because the chances of seeing them live yeah. increased a hundred <laughs> fucking percent. Like, did you get to see all those other bands live? Did you see Slipknot live, Radiohead live, Soilwork live? Radiohead I got to see because yep. they played at Rod Laver Arena. So in 2004, I camped out the front of Rod Laver Arena for 13 hours Wow! Um, to get front row center because we had general admin, which yeah. was fucking sick tom had laryngitis so the show was a little bit off and then he canceled the next show which actually was the first show that went on sale so a lot of like hardcore fucking radiohead fans who bought tickets i think it sold out in like under a minute that first show they didn't get to see it right and then people who bought tickets to the second show which happened to come first (laughs) anyway i'm very lucky that i was one of them um but uh never got to see slipknot don't want to anymore. It's like a weird thing for me where I'm yeah. like, I didn't get to see them when they meant the most to me. And now seeing them now, it's just, I don't think I'll enjoy it as much. Yeah. Um, and I've watched so much of, of them performing live on YouTube and the disaster pieces DVD I yeah. owned and just watched the shit out of. So I got what I needed out of it. And, and uh, you know, that's an experience I missed out on and that's okay. But yeah. there's some other shows that are like, Fuck, man. There was one show that I was so, so upset. Yeah. So upset I didn't go and see because I was too young. I think I was 16. Um, It was, 
I think it was at the corner. I'm not sure if it was at the corner or not. Uh, but my friend, because my, my parents were like a bit overprotective. And so me like going into the city at night and not telling them why they wouldn't let me go to a metal concert, especially yeah. if it was in the city. Um, that just wasn't on, that just wasn't an option. And I was a bit scared to go into the city on my own or whatever. Yeah. Um, but a friend of mine went who was my age and got into the show, right. Yeah. Which made me fucking so mad, but it was soil work, kill switch engage and anthrax in fucking what? in fucking 2004 man oh. so like in like a small venue right yeah like fuck off like that just would have been the best gig ever it, it, like it wasn't oh man <laughs> can't believe i didn't fucking go can't believe i didn't go that That's would have wild. been like one for the fucking history books man <laughs> so back back to that uh, that guesty with mm. uh, with I Killed the Prong Queen. Mm. How does that happen? Uh, were you playing in bands around this time? Yeah, I was, but just like a local band. Like it was more just something to do on the weekends, man. Yeah. Like, you know, it was just staying out of trouble and hanging out with the boys and, <laughs> uh, you know, just fucking around and um, we'd get fish and chips every day for lunch and shit. Like it was just fun. It was just a yeah. fun thing to do on the weekend. And uh, we none of us ever took it too seriously but i did end up developing an incredible scream yeah and um prom queen came at the and did a show an underage show at the green room um and i loved that i loved that about them because thinking about being in comedy now especially in a sketch group it's not this similar to being in a band yeah um, in terms of like the way you tour around and they would just always do underage shows. And I never appreciated it until recently because yeah. I never appreciated that one, that's probably a fucking pain in the ass Two, How do you know that shit's even going to fucking sell? Yeah. Right? Um, and, uh, but as a fan, like fucking hell, thank you so much. Yeah. Like, thank you. Cause I would just live for those fucking gigs. Right. Yeah. It meant so much to me. And you know, again, the kind of person, 13 hours out the front of Rod Labor, I'm the kind of guy that's going to get there early to be front row. I want to yeah. be that fucking person because otherwise there's no point in going, in my opinion. It's yeah. like be there, get involved, fucking I don't want to stand at the back and or sit down or whatever, right? Um, so, you know, we got there early and we're front row and Crafter is just giving out mic passes the whole time. Yeah. You know, just to people to sing a couple of words or whatever. And every time he gives it to me, he like, he's like, he just goes, Oh, like, cause my scream is so loud. Right. And I'm <laughs> such a little package. Yeah. I'm this tiny little thing. And uh, it just shocked him. Right. And, and, and then I did this one scream. He gave it to me again. I did this one scream and the whole band looked at each other. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm just standing there waiting for the next song to start. And then I look up and he's standing in front of me and he's holding two mics. Yeah. Right. Wow. And he, and cause I hadn't noticed that he'd gone and organized that. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and he fucking pulls me up on this tiny little stage. And, um, cause he knew that I clearly, I knew every fucking word to every fucking song that they had against the kind of cunt that I am. And, um, and then he starts, they start playing upon a river sky. Yeah. Uh, fuck. I love that song so much still to this day. 
And we and then we did it together. We sang it together, so and it was cool. fucking sick, right? Yeah. And we we're to, taking turns. I'd do one line, like, and I've got this little video of it. I've got like fifteen oh, seconds of it, right? And it's and it's and I was so nervous as well when I got got up on stage. I stood up and I just immediately dropped the microphone. I was holding <laughs> it and then I dropped it. Everyone's laughing at me. Like, oh no! <laughs> it's so good. And um, yeah, fucking. Then, because again, it was hard to keep in contact. You know, we didn't have Facebook and shit at this time. Yeah. And um, what I found out after that was, uh, I think I'd added Crafter on MSN somehow. Somehow that happened, and every yeah. now and then we'd talk, and I'd say hi. And um, then Crafter was sick for a tour or for a show that they were doing in Melbourne, and apparently they tried to get in touch with me. Oh, really? To do the whole show. Whoa. Which, fuck me. God damn it. I wish. Because <laughs> I would so- not have the ability to do that now. But back then I could have. Do Why did they just not be able to get in contact with you? Or like they didn't know your MSN? Yeah, they didn't know it, right? Uh, fucking, how do you get in contact yeah. with the fucking 16-year-old kid that lives in Werribee, like, at the time, whose name you don't know, right? <laughs> it like, sounds like you're about to catch a case when you do that. Yeah, contacting like, a 16-year-old. You know, um, but eventually through MSN, like, a couple of years later, he was like, uh, I think I was 18 at this point, Um he was like, oh, we're doing, I think at this point, Crafter had left and then come back to the band or whatever. But he was like, we're doing a show at the corner. Would you want to come up and do a yeah, do a track with us? And I was just like, yeah, fuck yeah. And so then I I did, um, uh, oh, fucking, what's a death certificate of a beauty queen or whatever the fuck that song is, yeah. um, which is a great fucking track. Uh, did that one with them at the corner. Yeah. All through That's MSN. Wild. That's so <laughs> cool, dude. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. It's a weird thing. And I wonder if any of them, sometimes I'm like, I wonder if any of them know about Auntie Donna. And oh, I wonder if to. any of them have clicked that like, Fuck. that's the, or like if they'd even remember me. Cause maybe they, maybe they did this to all the boys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I wonder if they remember me. I wonder if they know it's uh Mark from Auntie Donna now. Yeah. So so during that period, you know, Prong Queen are, are doing their thing and you also have, obviously, that's kind of the era that Parkway Drive started coming mm. out of eventually. Were you a fan of those guys growing up? And that never, uh, I loved the tracks that they did on the split yep. with Prom Queen. Um, and it's not that I dislike Parkway. It's just never a band that came into my periphery. Yeah. yeah. What, what was the next band, do you think, that came into it? Like... The, the haunted was one that was really big for me, yep. but but that's that because I just I just love how fucking especially I didn't really like anything. I didn't connect with the first album until this year, right? Yeah, fucking it wasn't until this year that I <laughs> that I really gave their self title to go. Uh, but Revolver when when Dalvin came back to the band, that album again. I was like after Slipknot. I was like, that's the most aggressive thing I've ever heard. Yeah. And then I heard Revolver by The Haunted. And I was like, no, this is the most fucking <laughs> aggressive thing I've ever heard. That album is relentless. So much more so than anything else still that I've heard to to this day. Because it's not just about like speed and technicality, right? It's yeah. There's so much more behind it. It's like production helps something sound sound aggressive and Peter Dolving's vocals. He is in my very humble opinion. He's, I think he's the best vocalist in metal. He's my favorite at the very least. Right. Yeah. I, I 
adore how much emotion this guy brings to what he does, right? And his versatility. Like, he's not the most technical singer or screamer, right? But I find in metal a lot of the times that vocalists will just produce and reproduce a sound, a tone. They have a scream, you know? It's kind of why I liked Corey Taylor because it did just sound like someone screaming. It didn't have this... um, perfection this yeah this, you know to it's it. funny you say that I, I say that about um i don't know if you know them but like a band called architects and i say that about sam carter who's the singer of then i always say like a few albums ago i got it now i'm almost like it just sounds like he's just he's almost too perfect for his own good and i can't yeah. i can't connect in that sense yeah 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 because it's uh it, it's it's hard to bring anything else other than i guess anger (laughs) to metal vocals, but even like screaming doesn't even necessarily matter. I think it's sort of like beyond that now. Right. Um, And, and again, I love beyond speed strid from, from soil work, but I would even argue that, that he, you know, I think he has a couple of different sounds, which is what makes him so cool. And he's very expressive with his clean vocals, but with his um, uh, aggressive vocals, not so much, but Peter Dolving just brings, his heart and his fucking soul into every word, into every croon. Like it's, 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 it's an emotional experience. Yeah. Listening to the haunted, I think. And I like a lot of people fucking hate, hate (laughs) everything he did post revolver, right? Because the haunted start to evolve and change and mix with a bit of stoner rock sounds and stuff. Um, I really like all of it. And unseen, I think is a fucking, beautiful record it's not it doesn't have that aggression it doesn't have that thing that i guess people wanted to hear or want to hear from the haunted yeah um but it takes it in such a experimental interesting almost not pop but i guess it's playing with more rock pop structures it's a little more commercial friendly although it never really made a big commercially i think that's why i like it i think it's like this far from being on like fucking triple M, yeah, 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 but it's yeah. just also so far away from it <laughs> at the same time. I don't know. I don't know, man. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Fa- fasting, fast forwarding a few years now and like the whole kind of heavy music spectrum kind of started changing a little bit, especially mm. like the late 2000s, early 2010s. You had those bands like you know, Day to Remember coming out and all of a sudden, you know, Pierce the Veil and all these bands kind of the scene, the scene mm. started to kind of, kind of mm. form and all these scene bands. What did you think about that when that was all kind of going down? Were you kind of against it or were you kind of into it? It didn't. I don't think I was connecting with metal at that time. Yeah. I think by that time I had the bands that I listened to. I had the bands that I followed because just as I got older, and I started to become interested in more things or I had less time to discover. Yeah. I just came a little, I just became a little more set in yeah. what I was listening to, you know? So a lot of the heavy bands I listen to now are the same bands I was listening to in high school. Yeah. There, there's very few that have sort of come in um, since then. So when all those, when all that started happening, it just, it went by me, you yeah, know, and I'm sure I, yeah. yeah, I'm sure I missed out on a lot of fucking great bands because of it. Like, fuck, I only discovered Carcass in fucking yeah. isolation, you know, yeah. always loved yeah. Arch Enemy um, yeah. as they were one of those bands, but so like, like only someone had recommended it to me. Um, and I was like, oh yeah, I was 
in ISO. So I had the fucking time to like check something new out and loved it. And just like immediately heard the DNA of everything yes, I loved yes. growing up in it. And I was like, fucking hell. Cause I was <laughs> listening to it and I was like, and I'd message my cousin who's a big metal fan. I'm like, fucking carcass is great, man. Sounds like Arch Enemy heaps. <laughs> and it was like, can't come on. <laughs> I did a bit of research. Like, oh, that's why. <laughs> did you like during uh, any of that time, you were going, you might have been going to some shows or anything like that. When you said you kind of, you had your bands, did you stop going to festivals? Did you ever go to a sound wave or a big day out? Or a, did you go to Stereo Sonic? Were you one of those guys dancing with your bum bags? Uh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> um, I went to a big day out. Yep. Uh, I, I went to one that was, um, but that's when I was going through, uh, uh, not that I'd stopped listening to metal, but I did get to a point in my life where I was like, oh, you know, metal is just one of the things that I listen to. I, yeah. I stopped defining myself as a metalhead. I stopped like, you know, exclusively dressing the way metalheads dress because I fell into like the indie rock scene, man. Like yeah. a lot of bands that I still love fucking arcade fire it was radiohead radiohead was the fucking gateway yep. drug into this stuff Absolutely, you know the yeah. strokes like i mentioned earlier um so the big day out that i went to well the big day out i went to the first band that i saw which was fucking sick was fear factory because they just got announced Whoa. that day right <laughs> it was 2004 i believe right yeah because we got there that morning and it was like yeah, Fear Factory are playing. They're filling in for another band. And we were Fuck. like, fucking sick. So that was the first band that we saw. And it was awesome. And then um, and then I saw The Darkness. And then uh, I got front row. I went into the D pit and was there on my own for eight hours. Front row center. It's a fucking trend um, <laughs> of my life and the way I fucking deal with music. Um, front row center. For and I just waited there all day, so I was front row center for Muse and yep. Strokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I jumped out of the D pit and I watched Flaming Lips on That's a smaller awesome. stage. That's a good day of music. I had a great fucking day because, yeah. and I've never been able to go to another festival. Yeah, because for me, it's like if there's not that many bands that I love, I loved all of those bands at that time. I was obsessed with all of those bands. And to have that many in one day, yeah, it's ruined me for other festivals. I'm not paying. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to pay fucking. First of all, I don't want to do any of this camping bullshit. Right? <laughs> I'm not going to some fucking splendor in the fucking hills. Fucking whatever. I don't even know. Right? To camp, to be uncomfortable and stink for three days, and then see one band that I like. Yeah. Like fuck that. Right? Yeah. I will go to Splendor if there are seven bands that i love playing absolutely and that nick will never happen again <laughs> in my lifetime it just won't it just won't happen again so, so where did that where did that indie when did indie music start taking over why did you think it started taking over you kind of did you feel like you hit your threshold with metal and you kind of just need to explore because i'm somebody who got into heavy music started with mm. you know the new metal stuff rage against machine stuff like that got heavy mm. heavy and then i just started to go completely off it i started to go into hip-hop a lot mm. i don't know why I, I had a very weird phase where i enjoyed australian hip-hop it was weird i don't want to talk about it but it was <laughs> <laughs> one of those situations when did that start for you with indie yeah it was like the strokes was the first band that i heard yeah uh, that was like that indie run then all the strokes babies stroke babies that came out There's of a that. lot of stroke babies a lot of stroke <laughs> babies um not Babies who have had strokes, the strokes, <laughs> bands that, let's just be clear there. Um, <laughs> but uh, 
yeah, like they, they, I don't know. It was just like, again, with Radiohead, I'd heard it because my brother was listening to it and I was like, oh no, I don't hate this. Yeah. Right. And um, I guess I was just so, what, what metal did for me was it made me, it gave me like a, a, uh, a passion for music. I thought it was a passion for metal. Yeah. But it wasn't. A lot of people just have that passion for metal and still do and it lasts their whole lives. And they listen to other shit, but um, you know, still define themselves as metalhead, metalheads dressed that way. That's the majority of what they listen to. Metal is definitely not the majority of what I listen to. Yeah. I listen to a lot of electronic stuff. Hyper pop is my new fucking thing. Like, are you a Gex are you a Gex fan or my god, am I a fucking Gex fan? Um <laughs> I saw them in LA on their Whoa, fucking secret show. That's um, incredible. It was sick. Um Gex were my gateway drug into hyper pop. And yeah, now, like, same here. Absolutely. Fuck, man. AG, all the AG Cook, all the PC music fucking stuff. Um, uh, do you know Danny Alhar? Yeah. Uh, Danny Alhar, right? So fucking love fucking hardcore, right? <laughs> it's fucking sick. And I just did a post on it on my story just being like, hey, listen to fucking MC Boing. This shit's going to fuck you up, right? Yeah. Um, I was just like, I love this album. It's like a nineties rave album. God, it's so fucking good. Um, and then I was like, Oh, does he have an Instagram? I don't know. At that. Oh, he's got one. I'll tag him in it. Yeah. And then I get a fucking DM like two hours later being like, Hey man, thanks for the shout out. Love Donna. I'm like, that's <laughs> fucked. That's and then awesome. I had a little chat to him. He sent me Dropbox me some shit that he made when he was 14 and yeah. it's good. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's incredible. Fuck. Yeah. Right. So that was, that was really cool. Um, but yeah, what I realized, what, what that had done to me, what had that, that, that had done to my brain, even though I tried to deny it for a little bit, I was like, oh, I love metal and fucking metal will die. Um, yeah. but these bands just kept popping up that I just couldn't deny that I fucking dug. And, and what it made me love was, was music. And then I just yeah. became hungry. Yeah. After that, uh, after that, I was hungry for, all music. I just, I stopped uh, saying that I liked and disliked genre. Yeah. Like from that moment on. Cause I was like, you know, fuck, there are Taylor Swift albums that I fucking love, yeah, you know? Absolutely. And why just like what you like and don't, doesn't matter. You can still prefer something else and that can still define you and be a big part of your identity. But um I stopped writing stuff off because it didn't fit into this little box that yeah. I thought I needed to be in, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's what all that did for me, man. That's kind of cool. Cause like I, especially with the hyper pop stuff as well, because I try to explain it to friends and I, I, I show them a song or two and they just do, they think it's the most ridiculous thing ever. They don't even call it music. Right. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I just kind of go like, think Skrillex 2012 and just kind of, add a bit of like just pop music, distort the bass like a fuck. And then yeah. you kind of around the mark and everyone's like, oh, I love Skrillex, but I can't love this. I'm like, it's kind of similar. Like you can, you can make connections there guys. Come yeah, on. totally. Totally. <laughs> it just doesn't take itself as seriously, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, in regards to Gex anyway, but uh, yeah. Yeah, man. Fuck. It's fucking- so good. <laughs> I got their vinyl somewhere back there. I've got like, both of them. I've really? got the, I love the remix album. The remix so album's so much, good as man. well. Yeah, I that's- fucking adore it. So that's so do you collect vinyl at all? You're yeah. a vinyl collector? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have a huge collection. Um yeah. but but 
it's kind of like, because uh, I don't need to have everything. I just have the shit that, like, it, it, you know, in the moment I really love because I love going record shopping. Yeah. So I own a bunch of stuff that's really special. Like I've got a, um, uh, I think, a first print of uh, King for a Day, Full for a Lifetime that's on double red vinyl. Like the Ooh. first time that album came out on double red vinyl, it's yeah. a UK print. It cost me like 70 pounds, right? Yeah. But I just found it in this fucking record store. Um, and I was like, Fuck yeah, I want that real bad. There are some, and I mostly buy, I mostly buy newer stuff on vinyl now, or just older albums that I'm really, really, really in love with that I want to hear on vinyl. You know, Absolutely. so like anytime Radiohead or Radiohead adjacent stuff gets announced, even if I don't know what the fuck it is, <laughs> yeah, I pre-order it immediately. Right yeah. there, there. So I own all the special editions of every like Radiohead album that's had a special edition from in rainbows on in rainbows. The um, disc box was the first vinyl I ever bought yep. for myself. And it's this beautiful fucking box. And now I've got like, you know, the okay computer 20 year anniversary edition and the King of Limbs newspaper album and the moon shaped pool fucking like I've got, I've got it all. Kind yeah. Of. Um, and, uh, and then all the Tom York solo stuff. I got all of that on vinyl. Um, yeah, I kind of just, again, it's not a huge collection, but yeah. it's, um, it's a very, you know, nice personal, personal is, collection. Is there a Holy Grail that you haven't got that you'd be interested in? I think everybody has, that, whether you might already have your Holy Grail, of course, but is there one that you, you go, wow, like I'd really love that one. Uh, the one thing for me that I always really wanted, and I went to Japan to try and find it. And I found it, yeah. right? But it was scratched. So they were like, it's not good to listen to. It's just a collector's item. Yeah. Um, was uh, the white album on white vinyl. Yeah. Was what I, I always like really wanted. And I can't believe I fucking found it. But they were like, not good for not good for listening. Just to, like, <laughs> it's like the one thing you want to do wall. with it. Yeah. yeah so I was like, ah, oh, so I brought like a second Japanese print of, yeah. the, of the white album. And um, that was fine. Uh, but like, fuck, man! Have you ever been to? Have you ever been record shopping in Tokyo? No, I've never been. I've never been to Japan. It's the one place I really want to go. I haven't been. It's um, they've got these stores, right? And I think there's one in each of the seven districts of Tokyo. Maybe there's more. I don't know. I can't remember. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, called Disc Unions, right? And essentially, they are record stores, and each one specializes in a different genre or thing. So there is a metal disc union. Right. Yeah. And it's like three floors of just metal. And it's <laughs> fucking everything. It's everything. That's like so the nichest shit. I can't imagine there being something there that you would not be able to find. Right. Yeah. Um, and then there was one that I went to that was uh uh just like was it it was like sixties 60s, 70s, 80s vinyl, right? Was kind of mostly what they had there. And they had first print UK, UK first prints of every single Beatles album. Fuck, man. Every single one. And I just, I was just fucked being there and seeing that. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, crazy. Okay, now it's worth the trip alone. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome, dude. Uh, a couple of questions before we get out of here, man. Um, we're talking about music and you've gone through so many different uh, eras of Mark Banana. It's so, it's, it's so fascinating. I love yeah. the last name Banana. Yeah. <laughs> I'm keeping that. Um, look, a couple of Arnie Donna questions before we get out, if that's all right. Yeah, man. Uh, 
when you're kind of coming up with a show for Netflix and there's a couple of sketches that you've done at live shows and it got incorporated to the Netflix show, mm-hmm. were there any sketches that you tried to incorporate that just didn't translate as well? Um, Not really because we're pretty good at picking what ones. Like yeah. it's, it's pretty uh, – I know that sounds maybe a bit – arrogant um (laughs) but but we've done it enough we've failed enough on youtube that now when you know the the conversation of converting ones to screen comes up it's a pretty easy oh we think that'll work we think that won't work um because what yeah like alan for example was one that we've just wanted to do for so long knew exactly pretty much knew exactly how we were always going to do it, but just never had the time or money. Yeah. Execute it, you know? Yeah. Um, so like a lot of those ones, a lot of the ones that were live that made it into the Netflix show were old sketches that we've been thinking about and wanting to do for a very long time. Yeah. So, you know, if there's a season two, maybe a different story. Yeah. I said if. Yeah, I so said I know if, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, my of all the people who asked me about if there's going to be a season two, my mum, I swear to fuck, you done ah! something, you done something to my mum. Because our last name is Brown, right? So for the, yeah. about the month after she saw the series, she would wake, she would message me going, morning Brown, as in morning Nick Brown. <laughs> and she would, every time I'd see her, she'd go, morning Brown, all out of key, all like, you know how like you, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. you listen to it once and you can't get it right ever again? Yeah. yeah and yeah. she asked me consistently, when season two, Two, ask him when seasons two. You ha- obviously you can't reveal anything here, but uh, is, are you kind of um, the reception's been pretty good all around? Have you heard about much from like your other countries? Because I know a lot of people say Arnie Donner is Australian humor, and no one else will get it, kind of thing. Oh yeah, no, that's uh, I can't believe how well it transcends. Like yeah. um, uh, in the UK in particular, yes. fucking hell, man, they 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 dig it, and and we've done. And the best way to ever see it is do live shows. And yes, yes. some of the most incredible live shows we've ever done have been in London. They're just so hungry for it and so into it um, and really get it, really fucking get it. But we've only really toured Australia, New Zealand, UK and America. Yeah. And because the reason we've toured in those places, because on our YouTube channel, that's where it says people are watching yeah so that's where we've kind of gone and we've always had incredible reception um but how it's done in like other non-english speaking countries i'm not really sure i think it's done okay we had a couple of people tweet at us in japanese um and (laughs) we don't uh, know what they said but no (laughs) i had some people dm me in spanish um (laughs) so i don't know if it's just could be a, a death few, threat. A little <laughs> sprinkling. Maybe there's a lot of them, but they're too shy to message me. If, yeah. you're in, if you're in Barcelona, fucking chuck us a DM. I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, it's, yeah, it's been, it's, uh, you know, those those places, and in, in particular in Australia, it fucking went gangbusters in yeah. Australia. Um, uh, I, I, I don't go out now without getting recognised, which yeah. is, was not the case before the show. I would sometimes get recognised. And that would always be really nice. Um, but now I cannot go anywhere. Quite genuinely, that's uh, like uh, I am I am the last person to ever be like, oh, I get fucked. Like I have such <laughs> low self-confidence and never want to talk things up. Yeah. But um, 
I do not go anywhere without getting recognized. That's anymore. what. Is there a sketch that people refer to the most when you are when you are talked to by some random guy on the street? Pud. Pud? Always Pud. I can't believe how much cunts love Pud. It's great. <laughs> like it's great. It's so nice. Um we sh- we like that was there was no script. It was just an idea that Zach had. It was like, yeah. oh, isn't it funny when people call it Pud? I'm like, yeah, right, let's do that. And it's just people love it. People yeah. love it. It's cool. <laughs> was it? Was there any temptation to try and put that into the the series? Because like obviously stuff on YouTube's a little bit different to stuff you've done on the live setting. But mm. when you've got so much kind of gold, like um ball games at school, like that's another one I, I go to all the time. Filling yeah. up on cheese is another yeah, yeah, one. Yeah. That, like these are so good. Bigger to Bill. I can't believe Bigger to Bill hasn't got his own series. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Like is there any temptation to try and work them into the into the Netflix show? Well, we sneakily did. Because the thing was that we weren't allowed to do anything that had been filmed as a sketch. Okay. Um, we weren't allowed to reshoot. Yeah. And we didn't really want to. Um, part of me was like, uh, you know, that era, unfortunately, of people like Flight of the Concords yeah. is maybe gone. Because the first season of Flight of the Concords is so good. Yeah. Because it's nine years of live shows. <laughs> nine years of work put into the first season, yeah. right? Um, they've been some of those, some of the songs in that show are fucking nine to seven years old, yeah. right? We didn't have the luxury of that because all of our stuff we'd put on YouTube, all of it, right? Yeah. So what we did do was we took the stuff that we could um, that had only been done live and that we hadn't translated, like your Allens, right? Yeah. Um, your family feuds, that kind of stuff. Uh, but then what we did was we looked at the stuff that we really liked. We looked at the stuff that we would have put in if we could, and we gave it a fresh coat of paint. Yeah. Um, so we, so things like Wi-Fi, right, yeah. Yeah. is in essence, same tie. Yeah. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has like a similar escalation. It's a similar observation of like someone's doing something and everyone's like, oh, and gets on board, right? <laughs> um that that's the sort of thing that we did because we were like, we like those structures and we like those jokes and we can't exactly reproduce them, but we can play with them, give them a fresh coat of paint so that they'll be different enough so that both, uh, you know, old audiences, longtime fans might recognize them, but it's still exciting for them to see it. And then new fans will kind of be like, Oh, this is quite good. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> you know? That's yeah. wild. Uh, what I kind of b- bouncing off from a question we said earlier. Uh, I pull, I kill the prom queen. Say mm. they announce to do a tour, or they mm. do a, just a one-off show, mm. and they ask you to do guesties. Mm. I know you don't have the pipes that you did ten years ago, but the mm. image of you on stage doing guesties at a prom queen show might go down in the history books. Would you do it? Ah, uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. Yeah. I uh, I have as many reasons to say yes as I do no. Yeah. To be completely honest, <laughs> absolutely. Um, because like, mainly like if if I knew if if I knew my my voice could fucking pull it off, yeah, it'd probably be a hundred percent. Yeah, but because but because it's not quite there, um, I wouldn't want to, uh. I don't, there's also something to be said for that was a really cool moment in my yeah. life and like reliving it, recreating it 
might be watered is down. Is that right? yeah? Is that necessary? Yeah, you know, like yeah. I don't know. Like it'd be sure it'd be fun. And once again, vocally, if I could do it, yeah, just because what a fucking weird thing. That <laughs> yeah. Mark from Auntie Donna is doing a fuck is doing fucking i don't know good oh, i can't even remember the name of a song right now <laughs> of sharks, them sharks in your mouth or something sure <laughs> yeah. um if that's one of them <laughs> <laughs> i i really love i i love the first album and everything before yeah. uh, like all the eps and shit everything post that is a little a little out of my head um so uh yeah, I don't know, man. I'd have to see how I was feeling on the day. Absolutely. I'd probably say no. Yeah. I'd probably <laughs> say no. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. I'll just tell Crafter. Thank um, you. <laughs> awesome, dude. Mark Bonanno, uh, Auntie Donna. Obviously, you can watch Big Old House of Fun on Netflix right now if you haven't already. I feel like everybody already has who was going Surely. to. But uh, is there anything you want to say before we get out? Uh, well, you can watch my other show as well. It's called Why You Like This. Yes, ABC. I wrote, yeah, I wrote and created that. It's on ABC in Australia and it's on Netflix internationally. Um, so if you live anywhere other than Australia and you have Netflix, check it out on there. Uh, uh, it's a bit – it might upset you. Check it out. Um, <laughs> but otherwise, nah, thanks for having me on, Nick. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. Cheers.